Jewish Latin Princess episode 107, Ask Yael, with special co-host Kayla Levin. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome back to the show. Today is a special episode because it's Ask Yael time. One of my favorites. This is when I answer your questions about Jewish life, motherhood, finances, spirituality, and more. Today, we have a lot of questions to tackle. Most of them came through Instagram, actually. I think that's the best way to reach me these days. But you're better off if you're following me first so that I can see your question right away because somehow otherwise it just goes into like a pile of requests for private messages, which I don't always see. So if you're already following me on Instagram at Yael Trush and you direct message me, I'll see your question right away. And of course, you can always email me, Yael at JewishLatinPrincess.com or you could go through the contact page on the website as well. And today I have a special co-host helping me answer your questions. But before I bring her on, just a few updates. Uh, last week, I sent off my oldest son to learn out of state in yeshiva, which is a big deal. I feel like I've entered a new stage in parenting, but I'm really, really happy for him. He's very happy exactly where he wants to be and in a place that's very good for him. So that's all good. And I also wanted to let you know that episode 106 with the author of The Remix, Lindsay Pollack, also aired a fascinating conversation about the multi-generational workplace. Definitely, definitely worth checking that episode out. And you may have heard that my summer culminated with the National Jewish Retreat, where I spoke four times about different topics. And you can actually catch one of my talks on episode 105. My favorite part is the end when I asked the audience, the JLP fill in the blanks. That was so much fun. And also the part after we concluded when the audience asked me tons of questions, um, which I kept on the podcast for you to listen. So do check that out. Um, listeners have private messaged me and told me that they they really enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed doing it and I think you might enjoy it. All right. Well, speaking about questions, we're going to tackle yours today. And to help me do that, I have none other than marriage coach, podcast host and creator of the Transformation first year married course, Kayla Levin. Kayla, welcome to the show. Hey there. So excited to be here. It's so good to have you back, Kayla. I had the pleasure of interviewing you earlier this year on episode 92, but a lot has happened in your life since, even though it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> Namely, you made Aliyah. You moved to Israel this summer. Mazel tov. How's it Thank going? Thank you so much. Thank you. It has been an absolute whirlwind, but we are just so beyond grateful to be here every it, day. It's only been a few weeks weeks since you're in Israel, right? We moved here just over a month ago. <gasps> that is very exciting. So does that does that mean that the kids just started school? Mm-hmm. This was, we're finishing up their first week of school. Amazing. And tell us something for the audience. Was this kind of always in the plans? Was it something that, you know, you guys thought about it only a couple of years ago? Give us the, the brief synopsis of how what planted the seed here for this major move. Sure. So we have been married for just over 10 years now. And it has always been a dream. But I don't know if I could say it was always a plan. Uh -huh. We never could see how we could make it work. 
But from the time that we got married, we both really wanted to be back. In the beginning, it was more me. I was I I had just left seminary. Every Friday night, I would let the candles and say, "Why am I not back in Israel?" And my yeah. poor husband would say, "Why is she crying?" Um, but you know, after many years, we were very very happy in our community. Um, and very suddenly, my husband's job shifted just enough that he was able to work remotely. And we realized that this dream could become a reality. Very, very cool. Well, much, much success with the move. It means that I have to come visit you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Kayla, let's, um, let's tackle some of our listeners questions, shall we? Yes. Okay. So let's start with Gila. I, I think you're going to notice that I love Gila's question. Gila has <laughs> a two part question about money dates. You've heard me talk about money dates before, haven't you, Kayla? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So she says, Gila says, you talk a lot about money dates with your husband. Do you have a structure for them? How long are they usually? Five to 10 minutes or like an hour? And then she adds, my husband is not too into this. He thinks if you're too on top of your finances, you leave God out. I think there's a middle ground for being responsible and mindful but I also get what he's saying. What a great question, isn't it? Yes, I love how she's getting the technical in too. Yeah, yeah. Kayla, how about you? Is this something that you do with your husband? Do you have some sort of like money date going on regularly? No, I'm very excited to hear your answer. I could do some inspiration in this area. (laughs) Okay, so you're kind of like Gila wondering what is this all about? So let me tell you, by the way, this really gave me an idea that I should put like a little downloadable file or something for listeners to download, you know, with a little a few guidelines to get them get them going on this. I think that that would be a neat idea. But in the meantime, I think I'm going to address the first part of the question first. And so she asks, do we have a structure for them. So my answer to that is yes and no. Here's here's how we do it. We certainly have an agenda before we get started so that we know what needs to be addressed and so that we don't forget anything. And it, you know, it could be whether we're looking at our retirement accounts or we're making adjustments to those accounts. If it's looking at our MISER account or and making transfers that we need to do, make donations for charity, or we're paying large bills, or we're making a plan for certain big expenses or projects, looking at the cash flow looking or even reassessing the budget, fine tuning certain goals and opening accounts to fund those goals and making plans on how to fund them, you know, and even sometimes it's even paying bills and looking at unexpected changes in the payments. These are just a few or a lot of the topics that could happen during any of our money dates. Okay, so we make a list of really before each date so that we know what we both want to discuss and so that we make sure that we tackle what's on our minds. So how long are they Gila? This is going to be unique to us and to our current situation because my husband and I do our finances jointly pretty much in every respect. Um, so first of all, I want to talk not about just so much about the length, but how regular. So we have our date every Sunday and we block an hour for it every Sunday. Now, before everybody, that seems like a lot. I know, right, Kayla? What do you think? It's like, that sounds yeah. a little crazy. Yeah, like, uh, hello, lady. It's not doable. I get it. So before everyone says, I gives up on this before we even get started, let me just say this. You don't need an hour every Sunday. We don't always use the hour. I mean, you don't even need to meet every week. We love doing it every week, but we certainly don't use the hour every week. And there are times when, yes, we have to have big conversations or look at a lot of things in detail and we need the full hour. But there are times when we need 20, 30 minutes just to touch base, to do small things and a few things that this is going to affect this is, and Kayla, you probably can relate to this, is, you know, we have four kids 
in different stages of life. Um, they're a little bit older. So sometimes our money dates will include discussing big expenses for the kids like a bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, sleepaway camp, yeshiva, airfare for our kids to get to camp or to school, you know, and because the kids are older, my youngest is seven already. So he has older siblings, it means we have a lot more time. So for us to sit together for 30 minutes, or even one hour is not as big a deal as we we had two toddlers in the house or a nursing baby, you know, so it's it's it has to do with the stage of in life where we are and where our children, you know, are. So this is what works for us right now. It's not what always works. Um, And we also, I should add that we love our money dates. So we've been doing it so long that we've come to enjoy it. So it's not a painful situation at all for us. It doesn't feel like a sacrifice, like this big deal we have to do, you know? So I think you have to find, Gila, the right balance that will work in your relationship and start small. Like, for example, Kayla, you have younger children, right? Your oldest is only eight. Mm-hmm. My youngest is almost two. Right. So case in point, like you, this wouldn't be realistic for you, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. You should just have to figure, you know, how to start small and what are the really important conversations that you need to be having. And maybe it means just once a month for 30 minutes, you know, but the idea is, you know, to get started. Um, and you don't need to cram everything or you don't need to overwhelm your husband. Um, some of our money dates are more goals and values oriented. They're more like, I guess, philosophical or, you know, some are more like celebratory, like we just celebrate a big win or and some are more numbers oriented, like really crunching the numbers. So again, it really depends on what's going on in our family dynamics and, the, you know, in a given point in our life, right? But um, there has to be one thing that I would say is there has to be a balance between both the goals and values conversation, like the emotional piece, I would say, and then the practical and the systems piece. Um, having both somehow happen throughout those regular money dates, I think is crucial. But however you structure or you balance that out is really very personal to your schedules. Um, and also to the systems you already have in place and your personalities and all that. It could be that you do everything together through an app. So really a lot of stuff, you know, you don't need to go through spreadsheets together because you manage it on a regular basis together through an app. I mean, there's a lot of things that are very, I guess, personal. But um, I'd like to address the second part of the question. And maybe Kayla, maybe you have some insight insights here for her just because you're such an expert in marriage. She's asking about her husband who doesn't necessarily, you know, think that being too involved in our finances is, you know, it might be an indicator that we're lacking a little bit in our faith, perhaps like you're leaving Hashem out. What do you think about that? So I tend to always see things in the perspective of the newlyweds that I spend my time working with. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if this person is more newly, you know, in the first years of marriage or further along, but I really want to make a, um, a, you know, advocate for what you're saying here about the money dates for a couple of reasons. And I think this ties into the Hashem aspect also, but that it's such a, it can be a very scary topic for people. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of times people want to avoid it, especially if they're, you know, early in the marriage, and they haven't had those conversations, right? But knowing that you're going to have that time every week, you can, it's it's almost it creates like a security to it. Yeah. You're going to have enough time to discuss it. You don't have to come in and say, "Well, I need money for this." You could come in and say, "Here's something I'm interested in. Let now we have an hour we can discuss that or even if it's just 30 minutes." Where if you don't put aside that time, it can become a lot of like sort of contention between the two of people trying to claim what they think they need. Maybe he's trying to save and she's trying to spend and it just feels very, you know, like they're against each other. So I love this idea and I think that especially in early in the marriage but at any point using money is one of those 
areas where we can go from two individuals to really becoming one team. Yes, yes. And that is what Hashem wants. What Hashem wants from us is for us to come together as a team, as a unified front. You know, that's Shalom Bias. And I can't imagine anything that if you're feeling like you're really on the same page, and of course, I'm sure you were going to say this, we have this concept of Hishtadlut, of mm-hmm. responsibility, and that we don't believe you could just sit on the couch for the rest of your life, and if money's supposed to come, it's going to come. We do have to do our piece, but part of that piece is also remembering that Hashem's in the picture. Are we also remembering everything comes from Him, and are we praying for what we need and all that? Correct, correct. So I was going to say exactly, I totally echo those comments, and going back um, even to something that you mentioned earlier about creating that safe space, you know, Kayla, you know this as a marriage coach, what this kind of also avoids is, you know, you're in the kitchen dealing with, you know, a a grade school kid who's struggling with his homework and a toddler who is, you know, having a tantrum over not knowing what to eat. And then all of a sudden, your spouse says something about money. And like, it causes like all of a sudden this like explosion over something that so what we're trying to really avoid is these ad hoc conversations like out of the blue about something that could be a not just a technical conversation, but also a pretty emotional one. And when we do, when we set up a structure where we're going to have a safe place, play a safe space to have these conversations instead of having them at random, we really gain a lot more. We the conversations have um, they're more productive, they're more effective, and we avoid a lot of power struggles that you know, are totally avoidable just because it wasn't the space or the time to just talk about the credit card bill or, you know, tuition, right? Yes, or we'll never be able to retire. (laughs) Right, like, hello, we're not having this conversation in the middle of me making supper, or I just hung up with my boss, or I have to return an email urgently, right? It's just so so that's, that's what we're trying to create. Now, I loved what you said about um, her husband's concern. And I was going to say a very similar thing. I mean, you know, and, and I think Gila kind of feels it. like she says, she said, there's a middle ground for being responsible and being mindful. Um, and, and I think, you know, as Jews, we do have to have complete bitachon, we have to have that certainty that Hashem is the only one who takes care of our needs. It's not our boss. It's not the stock market. It's not your 401k, your IRA, your employee, your credit card company, only Hashem. Um, in fact, in fact, it's worth mentioning that this has been mentioned by our sages, you know, over and over again. But something that I see often and often that comes up from the Lubavitcher Rebbe on many occasions is more bitachon, more parnasa. you know, like the bitachon part is so essential. Um, you can have all the money dates in the world and you can, you know, have the best financial systems. But if you're lacking in bitachon, I think your entire system is really very, very weak. Now, like you said, Kayla, this is a very important point. We have a responsibility that God gave us to do the work of our hands, like to do that ishtadlut. We have to put in the effort. We have to use all the natural means that Hashem has given us and made accessible to us. Work, you know, connections, employment sites, you know, bank accounts, financial education, all of this, the natural world, right? To, you know, just create the, the structure. Not because we don't trust in God. On the contrary, because God told us to do our work and at the same time, no, with complete certainty that he takes care of the end result. So like you said, Kayla, we can't just sit on the couch and expect the results, right? If I want to celebrate my son's bar mitzvah one day, but I don't look at how I'm going to celebrate it and what that's going to cost me and make plans for those expenses. Well, you know, it's true that whether you end up with that money is up to God, but God told you to do the work and make the plan. So 
it's like that fine balance between both of them, you know? Um, so Gila, I think, you know, start small, um, start having these conversations, start trying to see if you guys could schedule these money dates together. Um, know, like you said, that there is validity in, in, in your husband's concern, but with your w- female wisdom, you can guide, you know, these conversations and make sure that there's always that balance of having the gratitude towards Hashem for the wins and the, you know, the little milestones and, you know, just always keeping Hashem in the picture a hundred hundred percent but making sure that you guys are doing the work you know it's like I was telling to somebody in a class the other day that you know you want an increase in your salary right but at the end of the day you have to be completely aware because you I don't know you want to you decide you really want to put your kids in a Jewish day school so when you run the numbers you say you know what I got to negotiate for a bonus or I gotta you know it's time for a raise I haven't had a raise in years or whatever so the manager in front of you He's he thinks that he's in charge of the you know that increase in salary, but you as a Jewish person know that he's only the agent. He's you know the bonus whatever doesn't come from him; it comes from God. But you have to do your part to ask for the raise, to sit down and have those negotiations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's just the Jewish way, right? Yeah. So awesome. So did I inspire you, Kayla, to start having yes. your money dates? No, that's so important. Well, it's just <laughs> what you're saying is so important because we get so connect, so attached to how people act and how they respond, and when we remember that everyone is just a shaliach that everyone yes. is just just they're just it, it's coming through them but it's coming from Hashem mm-hmm. you can it's so much it's an easier life <laughs> it's so much easier oh my goodness you realize that and you live yeah. in that place hard to remember to do but it, thank it, you for that reminder it brings tranquility and calm that's really what Bitachon does tremendous all right so let's tackle Sharon's question so Sharon says um I love your podcast. I was listening to the one with Yaeli Vogel and I'm an artist and I also work in private banking. You casually mentioned at the end that there is a job that mixes both. I am shocked. What is the job called? And is there any info you can point me to in order to find more about it? Kayla, had you heard about this before? Nope, I have no idea what you're talking about. No idea. So you're curious, like Sharon, you're shocked. Like, what is this person talking about? So yes, so indeed, first of all, Sharon, thank you for your question. There was a time in my life when this was kind of my dream to work as to work in art advisory services as part of private client banking, which means um, banking for high net worth individuals. You start seeing a trend here, Kayla. (laughs) I kind of like money or something. I don't know. (laughs) No shame. No shame. Okay. So what I did, Sharon, is I did a little research for you in case, you know, I said, maybe I'm a little outdated. Maybe this thing doesn't exist anymore. But no, I was happy to to find out that this is still a career path, even though it's still a niche. Um, And it seems to be growing more and more financial institutions find that art is an interest that many of their clients have. And it's obviously a part of their portfolio of assets. And just to tell you a little bit about what the these groups within the banks do they do they provide um, personalized acquisition and selling strategies and they provide collection management services they structure loans using art as collateral um, they also identify buying and selling opportunities for their clients and they make sure that the art is like being considered in your wealth planning and your legacy strategy as a whole um, so now who's doing it there's actually a lot of institutions. I 
believe Citibank was the pioneer in this area. And if you go on the Citibank website, Sharon, under private banking, you'll find a section called Art Advisory and Finance. JP Morgan, who I used to work for, not in this department, um, also leads the way in this field. I think BBVA also offers Art Advisory services to their private client, I mean, private client banking um, clients. Uh, Societe Generale also does it. So there's definitely do a little research because it seems like this is still going strong and more and more banks are incorporating art advisory into the services that they offer their high net worth individuals. So good luck to you, Sharon. Keep me posted. I'm curious if you, you know, do a little bit of a, a job change there. You're already in this industry. So, you know, it might be really easy for you. Okay, Kayla, how about why don't you tell us what what's in Faggy's mind? All right. So she says, hi, Al. I'd love to know more about how you got to where you are today. Did you ever question or yourself? How did you deal with rejection? I'm trying to go on my own unique journey via becoming a coach and a speaker and finding myself struggling with these questions. Hmm. Kayla, I'm curious what you have to say since you come from a coaching perspective. What would you tell Faye? Oh, I love this question. Um, And I think it's so wonderful that she's articulated what it is that she's wanting. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple different ways that I deal with things like this. We talk a lot about negative emotion in my coaching. And sometimes I find that the best part is just to identify what feelings am I going to have to feel to pursue this dream? If I want to pursue this dream, I'm probably going to feel a little awkward and I might have to feel uncomfortable and I might have to feel anxious. Mm -hmm. Am I willing to feel some of that? And often the answer is yes, because a lot of the times the biggest challenge is in how much we're rejecting the negative feeling. And if we just allow it and say, okay, here it is, anxiety, I'm feeling anxious, it's Mm -hmm. actually easier than trying to avoid ever feeling those feelings. Right. So I would do suggestion. Hmm. What do you think? Well, I, I love that because I was going to tell Faggy, um, one of my favorite books, and tell me if you've read this book, is Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Have you read that, Kayla? I haven't, but I love that title. Oh my gosh, go get it like ASAP. It is fantastic. It's a classic, definitely worth reading it. Highly recommend it. Um, I, I love that you said just recognize that. I hadn't thought it about that in, in that way, but just know that these are emotions that you're going to feel as you embark on this journey. And to answer Faggy's question more punctually about my own personal life, yes, Faggy, 100%. Um, I Well, first of all, let me just tell you how I got here, because I think that was her initial question. Um, Faggy, I don't think a lot of I don't think I planned much of this. Um, as you know, as you heard be- from the question before, my background wasn't necessarily as a communicator. It wasn't even in Torah, as I didn't grow up observant, as many of you know. Um, in fact, it's funny because I just got a similar question at the JLI retreat, and you can listen to that answer at the end of episode 105. Um, and I told them that my background was not in communication, you know. But there were a few things that happened along the way. First of all, I always loved writing, always, always, always. And then, as far as public speaking, other than whatever I had to do at work or in business school and graduate school, you know, I really was thrown into it many years ago, probably like 18 years ago, there was uh, a very dear family friend, Jewish philanthropist, Mr. George Rohr, who asked me to speak at a beginner's Yom Kippur service. Now, Kayla, you can imagine, like, all of a sudden, the fear that I what, like, I have to speak in front of hundreds of Jews on the holiest day of the year? No way, you know, like every bone in my body wanted to say, no, thank you. Like, what could I possibly tell them? But I did it. I really didn't think I had anything to offer. Um, but I did it. 
And guess what? I did really well. And, you know, before I knew it, over the years, just a lot of other opportunities continue to present themselves um, to speak either in larger crowds or smaller crowds about different topics that were always connected to Judaism somehow. Um, and before I knew it, I was kind of here. But to Faggy's point, did I ever doubt myself? Oh, my goodness, all the time. But I think the key is like Kayla saying, you know, on that book says just feel the fear and do it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my thing, you know, and and if anybody subscribed to my newsletter, you all know that I told you about all the anxiety dreams I had before going on the National Jewish retreat. It was just it, it was comical. It was really, really funny. Like I would wake up, I would say, okay, I'm definitely feeling a lot of anxiety about this, you know, these speeches, but I'm doing them anyway. Um, so what I would suggest, uh, Fagy is, first of all, read that book. Um, don't be derailed. Just keep at it. Um, there is an episode with maybe Kayla, you've heard this episode. It's episode, I think, 26 with quote unquote, fear facer Michelle Poller. Did you ever hear that episode on my show? I should have, but I'm, I don't remember it. Remind me. So Michelle is an expert on fears. She embarked on a whole adventure of facing 100 fears. And now she's a keynote speaker and whatnot. It's a very, it's a very fun episode. So I would suggest, um, uh, he, you know, going back Faggy and catching that. Um, and, and another thing that I want to say is that, you know, the doubts and the, you know, and the fear, they're there, but they always they come from a side of us that is, you know, the the nefesh meat. It's the it's the, our animalistic side, our yetzahara. It's just she's there to kind of put those doubts so that you, to slow you down and to keep you in a very comfortable, safe space. Um, so what I do about that is I just say, thank you very much. Now I'm just going to go do what I need to do. You know, thank you for your opinion. <laughs> and in, in my blog, I actually wrote about this a couple of times, Feige, you could catch, there's a blog post, pretty recent blog post, um, on how to deal with your frenemy. There's another one from a couple of years back, Antics of the Yetzirah and Tips to Combat Her. So they both deal with this type of, you know, feelings and um, that come from a, from within us that we just kind of have to know that they're part of the game and you just have to deal with them. You know, I don't give them too much attention. Just stay focused. Um, and then what about rejection, Kayla? Do you ever get rejected in your work? And how do you deal with that? I actually have the opposite problem. I, 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 I'm closer to Figgy where, you know, my husband who runs a business with me is always saying, until you get rejected, I know you're not putting yourself out there enough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> rejection is a sign that you're offering what you're offering. Yes. And what I always try and remember and really what he's taught me is that if you believe in what you're trying to do, if you believe in, in your clients and the people that you can help and the message you have to spread, then it's not about you. And you need to get out of your own way because you can't help them if you're so focused on yourself and sort of protecting yourself or, or what if they don't like me? You mm -hmm. need to focus on them. And how do I get to these people who need me? And what, you know, and it's 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 your service to them. And I think in, in that way, what you're saying about the Yetzirah, we know that whenever we're about to do something very special and very spiritual, the Yetzirah comes out with every trick in the book. Oh, yeah. Right? You can even take it as extra confirmation. You know, the more struggle you're having about doing it, wow, <laughs> look how special this is, this thing that I'm about to do. It must Correct. be really impressive if the Yetzirah is working so hard. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, you just reminded me... Um, about dealing with rejection that 
you know, I, I have to give credit to my mother. And you just reminded me of this. This is sort of what she taught me. Um, and I think it has a lot to do with how I deal with re- uh, rejection. I learned from my mother from a very young age, one, not to take things personal <laughs> and to always ask for what I want because she used to tell me like the worst thing that can happen is you get a no. But when I was speaking with Michelle Pollard, actually, she corrected me and she said, well, think about what's the best thing that can happen, right? Don't even think about, you know, you, you could get a no. But either way, you know, the idea is, you know, just ask for it because yeah, so what if you get a no, you know, so you got to know and and then just remember, it's never personal, you know, um, I, I, so I don't, I don't worry about it too much. I don't take it personally um, because a person can reject a project or an invitation or, you know, an offer for so many reasons that are beyond your control. And 99.9% of the time, those reasons are not, you know, have nothing to do with you. And even if they were, so what? Like not everybody has to like your work. You just have to find the ones who do and the ones who you can serve best. Um, like you said, Kayla, and those people are, you know, the ones that you're going to serve. So, you know, I would say to Fagy, keep at it. <laughs> you're normal. <laughs> Okay, so so Faggy, keep at it. Um, go check out that podcast with Michelle Poller and go check out those blog blog posts also. Good luck to you. I'm curious to see, you know, how things work out. Okay, so Kayla, we're a little bit short on time, but we have time for one more question. And this one comes from Alisa on Facebook. And I think we're going to have a lot of insights together on this one because we're both mothers. So why don't you tell us what's on Alisa's mind? Right. So Aliza says, hi, I've been listening to some of your podcasts and find them really inspiring. I really enjoy them. I was wondering if you've ever addressed the topic of exercising patience with our children. I'm finding myself losing patience very frequently, even though I absolutely adore and appreciate them so much. My kids are five and two, and I'm pretty sure yours are older. But do you have any podcast or advice for me? Hmm. So Aliza's really in the thick of it, right? You you mm-hmm. feeling her? You know, you know, you know where she's at, right? <laughs> this is a hard phase. It's a hard phase, Elisa. So, you know, my kids are older, um, which I guess it's helpful in this case, because I can give you a little bit of perspective, because I've been there, you know, where you are. Um, so like I said, I think you're in the thick of it now. And it does get easier with time. I know this sounds a little bit cliche, but you do build those patience muscles over time. So first thing I want to say is don't beat yourself up too much. You just got to try your best. And one very practical tip that I would say before I I want to share a few other ideas with you, but it just came to mind that there is a very short parenting newsletter um, from Sarah Hannah Ratcliffe. Are you subscribed to those, Kayla? No, I follow her stuff on Facebook, though. Yes. So I think she puts the similar stuff on Facebook. And anyway, this comes into your inbox like three times a week. And they're very, very short. So it's like perfect for a busy schedule, but they're so powerful. So if you go check out Elisa episode 19 of the podcast, she mentioned how to subscribe to these little newsletters. So I I can't remember how it is. But anyway, the interview is really very insightful. Um, And the other thing that I would say, and Kayla, you might have a lot to add to this from a coaching perspective, but I find that, you know, in life, if we're exploding too often, we, you know, it would be good to take a good look at an honest look of what's going on in your life, because we tend to explode at our kids due to things that mostly are unrelated to their behavior, meaning like, 
the mis the misdeed hardly ever warrants the degree of the reaction that we have. You know? Yeah. Do you think that's true, Kayla? Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Right. And I feel like there's triggers. You know, there's certain things that that can be going on in our life, whether we are, you know, sleep deprived, we're starving, we're worried about, you know, someone's health or our finances, or we don't have enough cleaning help, or maybe we're pregnant and we're extra tired, or we're in like a bad relationship with a boss or an employee, you know, these are all like very common triggers or stressors that I feel like as the adults in the relationship, it behooves us to find out how can I take care of these things, not just for my sake, but also for my children's sake, you know, so decide very objectively, what do you need to do to get the support that you need? Maybe you need to schedule an exercise class into your routine or a regular date with your husband. That's a big one. You know, these are small things that can make a huge difference in your mental and emotional state when you're, you know, in those tense moments of parenting so that you don't blow up on your children, you know, even getting more sleep, Kayla, I don't know about you, but I remember when my kids were little, like sometimes you just want to decompress at night. And before you know it, it's one o'clock and you're still chatting with your friends on Facebook. and like, you know, and meanwhile, you know, the Wicked Witch of the West came out the next morning because you're totally right. <laughs> sleep deprived, right? So what do you expect? So, you know, get, getting more disciplined about our sleep, even though we think, no, I just need to decompress. No, what you need is sleep, mama. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. And that actually leads into what I was going to say, mm-hmm. uh, which is that whenever I'm finding myself lacking patience, I have to remind myself that my children are not the distraction. The thing I'm trying to do is the distraction. Ah, They are the main focus. And so 90% of the time, if I'm losing patience with my children, there is a conversation happening on my phone, whether I'm actively engaged in it or every five minutes I'm checking it or it's even checking my email. So the number one thing when I'm starting to lose patience is I put my phone as far away as I can. If it's Mm -hmm. deep into my purse or if it's up on a high shelf, get the phone away from you. Because we've seen from studies that even just having the phone in the same room, if it's within your eyesight, it actually is shown to lower the IQ. Your brain can't process on the same level if your phone is nearby, even if it's turned off. So getting the phone out of the way so that you have the mental space to be dealing with your children who do need your attention. This is, a you know, this is two little kids, five and two, they need a lot of attention. Yeah. And the other piece that I found so helpful that I really learned from Dr. Laura Markham in terms of children is, is on a simple level, just always reconnect. When you feel like you need to get away from them, when you feel like you need to, you know, go into a different room or you, any of those, I need to go on my phone or I need to call someone or I need to step outside. Really, it's counterintuitive. But if you then take that time to get down on your knees or squat down and get eye level with your kid Mm -hmm. and just connect to them where they are. So number one, you get to enjoy them so much more. Number two, 90% of the behavior problems disappear because all they wanted was your attention in the first place, right? And so you're building up on that relationship and it it is counterintuitive. So I just always have to remind myself if I'm feeling any of those frustration or impatience or anything, it's okay, I have to reconnect, reconnect, reconnect. And it really has been a game changer for me. Yeah, yeah. And going down to the kid's eye level is so powerful. I also use that strategy is so, so very powerful. You know, and what you're saying, I think, you know, I could tell you guys from my perspective, now that I just sent my oldest away, um, 
you know, really trying as much as we can to really build relation the relationship with them is so crucial because I know it sounds cliche, but they grow up very, very, very fast. There's also you reminded me, Kayla, there's a really neat book that came out last year, a short, short read, but boy, was it great. Um, it's called how to break up with your phone. Wow, I, I really recommend it. Um, you just reminded me, as you mentioned, um, are those little gadgets that keep us hooked. Um, so check those, check that book out. And of course, in addition to that, I do have, Alisa, a few good episodes on parenting for you. There's episode 93 with Adina Sokolov. That was a really popular episode. There's episode 19, of course, with Sarah Hannah Radcliffe. I just mentioned her newsletter. There's episode 43 with Randy Rubenstein. And then there's a few that are related to um, parenting, which, you know, are not directly related to what you're saying, but they're definitely very powerful, like episode 62 with Javi Brook. Um, she's the mother of a number of adopted children. Um, and it was an incredible episode. There's episode 41 with Lenore Skinazy, um, 37 with Ali Katz, and episode 44 with Rivka Fishman, especially for people who have kids, you know, in grade school and even in preschool. So, you know, think about the, you know, check those out. Think about what Kayla told you and my tips and go sign up for Sarahana's newsletter. And much at Slacha, you're, you know, you're asking the right question. You're going to be great. We've all been there. But um, I think, I think you're, you're looking for solutions and that's really great. I, I, I wish you a lot of luck. Keep me posted. So that was great, Kayla. What a, what a great group of questions, right? Yeah, and quite a range here too, which is super fun. I know, which speaks to, you know, the diversity of the audience. And and also they're they're just really on the ball. They're asking good, good questions. So that's a wrap, ladies. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Keep sending them, please. I look forward to these a lot. So and also, if you'd like to co-host, let me know. Um, I know that so many of my listeners are very wise Jewish women and you have a wealth of experience and knowledge. So I'm happy to have you join the conversation and help me tackle these questions. So it reached me by Instagram, DM or via email. And Kayla, what's going on with your life? Give us a little bit with your professional life. What's happening with first year married now that you're in Israel? Oh, it's been really phenomenal. I just feel really fortunate that I found something that is so exactly, I don't know, I just, I'm so passionate about working with newlyweds. There is a very special energy and it's such an important time. So my whole goal is to bring this idea of Shana Rishona, which is a Jewish idea that in the first year of marriage, you really buckle in and focus in on the marriage and you try and take away any distractions and stresses that you can mm -hmm. because a marriage needs to be built. It needs a strong foundation. Yeah. Unlike like what we get from the secular media, which is that, you know, happily ever after. <laughs> so when I'll have my newlyweds coming to me and saying, how could we already be fighting? And I would say, how could you not be fighting? Right. <laughs> So my, my, my dream is to create a culture in which women know that marriage is a whole skill set and that they feel confident in seeking solutions, whether it's classes or mentors or whatever it is, knowing that going into marriage is something that we learn to do. And there are so many resources that can make it so much easier. Yes. So I'm very excited. We have some things in the works. I have some very exciting podcast guests, but everything's still a little bit under wraps. But the podcast is still going out on a weekly basis, you know, like bad audio one week because we had just gotten here and I barely set up my microphone. And oh, I goodness. 
just as we landed and all that. But, keeping um, it real, you know. keeping it real for listeners. Exactly. You see, it's good. And you know what? Listeners have been with me for the whole journey, so it's okay. They're, uh, they're great. I and, love uh, it. God, it's been great. I love it. I love it. Well, Kayla, it's so great to catch up with you. Where can people find you? Tell us again. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm at firstyearmarried.com um, and my Instagram handle is the same thing, at firstyearmarried. At firstyearmarried. Very, very nice. It's great to have you. Thank you for all your insights and thanks for tuning in, everyone. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit JewishLatinPrincess.com.